Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Godcast. I'm your host, Brandon Howard, and unfortunately, Isaiah Watson is not able to join us today. He's busy today, but that's okay. He'll be in all the other episodes, so stay tuned. Don't don't click off just yet. <laughs> he will be back, I promise. Um, today's a little bit different, though, since he's not here. We, it's kind of hard to do would-you-rather questions with myself and stuff like that. So I think what we're going to do is we're just going to dive into the lesson. So this uh, episode might be a little bit quicker than most, but essentially what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about Jesus and Genesis. So if it's okay with you guys, I think we're just going to hop right in. Might be a little bit shorter of an episode this week, but that's okay. So saying Jesus and Genesis is probably not doing justice to what we're going to do here today. We're not just looking at Jesus and Genesis. We're going to be looking at Jesus through the entire Old Testament. See, throughout the entire Old Testament, we see prophecy after prophecy and foreshadowing galore of the Messiah who was to come. To us, we understand this Messiah as being Jesus. To the Jews who were actively hearing this during the Old Testament age, it was not as simple as picking up a Bible to see who the Messiah was. They had to excitingly and anxiously, and I can only assume frustratingly, anticipate for the arrival of the prophesied king who was said to be the savior of not only the Jewish people, but the Gentiles as well. In Matthew 18, 11, we see that Jesus came not to save the righteous, but to save the lost. We will dive in to that a little bit deeper, but for now, I want to beg the question, where was Jesus throughout the entire Old Testament? Where was he foreshadowed? The quick answer is all throughout the Old Testament. We see God promising the perfect sacrifice everywhere. Everywhere that you look in the Old Testament, it's pointing to Jesus. However, there are three paths passages in the Old Testament that God has placed on my heart, and I would like to summarize those passages, and then we can talk about how they are referencing Jesus. Um, So let's jump into the first passage. The first passage is in the beginning. Um, Genesis 3, we are witnessing the fall of mankind, and we'll just summarize that a little bit, but uh, so we see the serpent, we see the serpent tempt Eve into eating the forbidden fruit, and so she does and then gives some to Adam. And as they ate the fruit, the Bible says that their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked. Um, So God comes looking for the man and the woman and asks where they are. And they say that they were hiding and they were afraid because they were naked. And God asks, who told you that you were naked? God begins talking to the serpent after Eve and Adam give their explanation. And this is what it says in Genesis 3, 14 through 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, I want to recognize two things from this passage here. First of all, God knows that Adam and Eve have sinned. He's omniscient, so it's not like he's surprised at their sin or shocked. But it appears that he is seeking out a confession. And what I want you to notice is that salvation begins when we repent of our sins and confess that Jesus is Lord. Uh, we are called to confess our sins and they will be forgiven. In 1 John 1, nine, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think that's a pretty awesome like little reference there i mean maybe you guys don't see it but i definitely see that um because it's like god knows so like why is he even asking him and that that is my explanation as to why he would be asking them the second thing i want you to notice is god's little reference to jesus he is essentially stating that jesus will be bruised by satan 
but Satan would be defeated by Jesus. In the version I just read, it's an ESV, and it says, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So he's saying that Jesus shall bruise your head, and Satan, you will bruise Jesus' heel. So um, that's the ESV, and some other versions, and I believe the NASB, which is what I normally read out of, it says, he shall stomp on your head, and you will bruise his heel. And so essentially we're getting a reference, a, a prophecy that Satan will forever be destroyed at one point by this mystery man. So that is the first reference, in my opinion, that we see of Jesus in, in Genesis. Okay, so that, that's the first thing that pops to my mind that I feel God has put on my heart. The second time that is most noticeable is Genesis chapter 22. We're not going to read the entire chapter, but I'll summarize it for you. Summarizing the chapters, essentially we see God tell Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And I want you to keep the phrase only son in your mind. Abraham obeys God and brings Isaac up a hill to build an altar and sacrifice um, his son. At this point, Isaac does not realize that God told Abraham to sacrifice him. So Isaac says, Dad, where is the sacrifice? We have everything we need except for the lamb needed for the sacrifice. Abraham replies with, God will provide a sacrifice. So they went up the hill. Abraham is about to strike Isaac when an angel speaking on behalf of God appears and stops Abraham. The angel says this in verse 10 and ending in verse 14, and I'll read that for you real quick. It says, Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, Here I am. The angel said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for I now know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, before him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And the Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided." The first thing I want to clear up is that Abraham the entire time is hoping that God will provide another sacrifice. This entire scenario is one big test of Abraham's faith in God. And it was to see if Abraham feared God. And obviously Abraham passed that test. But the second thing, and perhaps the biggest thing here, is this is a huge reference to Jesus and the role that he plays. Notice how God provided a sacrifice in place of Isaac. The entire message here is that God, being a good God, will provide the sacrifice needed for us. We simply just need to have faith. Abraham had faith in God, so a sacrifice was available for him. Notice the language used as well. In this entire passage, we can see that God is being faithful and he will provide the ultimate sacrifice that we all need, his one and only son. It's crazy because we see God intervening you know, he, he tells Abram, hey, he, he says, sacrifice your son to me. To, uh, let's see if you're really loyal to me. And Abraham, Abraham has the faith in God and has the fear of the Lord in his heart. So he does. He's going, he was going to go through with it. But God says, no, I will provide the sacrifice. The next passage that we're looking at is very, very explicit. And it is agreed upon by many, many, many scholars that this is passage is is prophesying about Jesus, and it's undeniable. Um, so it's Isaiah 53. 
we're not going to summarize this passage, though. I want to read this with you guys. So if you're going to read along, grab your Bible. Um, or if you're not going to read along, just listen very closely. Uh, and again, I'll repeat that. It's Isaiah 53. We're going to start in verse 3. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of, the, out of the dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced by our for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. And so, I highly encourage you to go read all of chapter 53 of Isaiah, but this entire chapter is literally just describing Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, and why he died. The whole thing is just about Jesus, how he lived, how he was killed, why he was killed. Friends, this is the gospel. Jesus hasn't even been born at this point. And here it is. Here's the gospel. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus was here for all of creation, and he was here before creation. He has always been, and he always will be. Don't ever say Jesus is not God, because the Word was God. It's all right here. God has a plan. He's had a plan this entire time, and it was always to save the lost. Do you remember 1811, Matthew 1811, when I said that, um, when I said, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost? That's what we're diving into. So, let's take a look at the gospel. See, okay, so we're, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 18, 10 through 14. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not have the ninety-nine, leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go and search for the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones perish. So first, I just want to say that verse 11 may not be in your Bible, um, but it does exist in Luke 19.10 if you have an NIV or ESV. Um, So I I can assure you that it is an accurate translation. Um, So, But most Bibles will inform you that some manuscripts include that verse. My NASB includes Matthew 18.11, but a lot of NIVs don't. So if you can't find the verse, that's why. But I want you to see the brilliance of the gospel here. This was always God's plan. And it's so beautiful. 
Jesus left his throne to live the life that we could not and to provide the sacrifice we needed to be with God once again. This is God's ultimate restoration plan, and this is Jesus in Genesis. The moment that God spoke to the serpent and Adam and Eve, he was already declaring that Jesus would be the sacrifice. In Genesis chapter 22, God is foreshadowing that there will be a sacrifice, an ultimate perfect sacrifice that would be provided for us in our place. So I know this is a really short episode, but if I have to say anything, I want to say this. Romans 10, 9 through 10, uh, we're just going to read verse 9 says, For if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what it takes, friends. This The gospel was not something that was just created 2,000 years ago, okay? The gospel has been living and breathing since the dawn of time, okay? Since the beginning of time. This is, this has always been the plan. You see Genesis, we see Jesus in Genesis 1 in creation because John is, is saying that Jesus was there. He, nothing was created without being created through him, okay? So Jesus is there right at the start of the beginning and before beginning, and he will be there after the world and time has ended itself. So understand that this has been the plan all along and that the gospel was meant to be shared to you all along. All you have to do is accept it. Just like Abraham believed that God would provide a sacrifice, you too must believe that God has provided the sacrifice in Jesus. Again, I'll read it, Romans 10, 9. For if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus came to earth. He lived the life that we could not live. And he died the death that we deserve in our place. God provided the sacrifice for us. Have a great day. I love you all.